And the subtitle of today's message is Adding to Your Faith. Before we get started, let's pray together. You could pray along with me. Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey the word that I hear today in Yeshua's name. Amen. We're going to be speaking from the Brit Chadashah, the New Covenant Scriptures. We are in the third week of our series, and last week I finished the introduction and spoke on verse 4 of our text. I emphasized the superlatively great promises of life and godliness so we can escape the earthly desires that keep us from God's divine best. And we even saw that in our Parsha this week, right? The the children of Israel were enticed by their earthly, fleshly desires, yet God had a divine best for them. Well, in the same way, Kepha, in the Brit Chadashah, is teaching us about this. So let's read our text before we get into the message today. In verse 3 from Kepha Bet, chapter 1. God's power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our, through our knowing the one who called us to his own glory and goodness. By these, he has given us valuable and superlatively great promises so that through them you might come to share in God's nature and escape the corruption which evil desires have brought into the world. Verse 5 says, for this very reason, try your hardest to furnish your faith with goodness. Goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with perseverance, perseverance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you have these qualities in abundance, they keep you from being barren and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord, Yeshua, the Messiah. Indeed, whoever lacks them is blind, so short-sighted that he forgets that his past sins have been, called, have been washed away. Therefore, brothers, try even harder to make your being called and chosen a certainty. For if you keep doing this, you will never stumble. Thus, you will be generously supplied with everything you need to enter the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Deliverer, Yeshua the Messiah. Before I go any further, I want to read verse 5 because that's the subject of our talk today in several versions. The TLV says, Now for this very reason, making every effort to add to your faith virtue. The New King James Version says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. The NIV says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. The MSG Version says, and that's not a sports channel, folks. The MSG Version says, don't lose a minute in building on what you've been given, complementing your basic faith with good character. The TOB says, but to obtain these gifts, you need more than faith. You must also work hard to be good, and even that is not enough. The ESV says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. The CEB says, this is why you must make every effort to add moral excellence to your faith. 
The Amplified says, for this very reason, applying your diligence to the divine promises, make every effort in exercising your faith to develop moral excellence. The GNT says, for this very reason, do your best to add goodness to your faith. And this one is the Orthodox Jewish Bible, and it says, for this very reason, you must apply all zeruzut to supply emunah with midah hatov. And I'm sure you got all of that. So, so many things, right? And what's the author trying to tell us? And what are we required to do in order to grow and flourish? Today we're going to get to the bottom of, it's translated many ways, but the meaning is clear, especially from the Greek text, which we will look at specifically. So we could find out what God is asking us to add or supplement our faith with. In this, in this verse, we're told to make every effort to add to our faith. But wait a minute, I thought that faith was all we needed. Isn't faith all we need? Isn't that it? We're told that all we need is faith. Faith is all you need to be born anew from above and to be firmly secure in the Malchut Elohim, the kingdom of God. But what is being presented here is Fortified faith. Say fortified. There is basic faith, and here Kepha is telling us that we must take that basic faith and fortify it with these seven qualities. This is meant to keep us from being barren and unfruitful. Think of the implications here. We can have basic, unfortified faith and still be barren and unfruitful. That's what he's saying. We can have basic, unfortified faith and still be barren and unfruitful, even though we're part of the family of God. Today, I want to unpack these, this verse 5 and see what we find. There is not a person here who wants to be barren and unfruitful, right? And since that is the case, the first thing we're encouraged to do is, number one, try your hardest. The Greek phrase means to bring all diligence to bear. Think of that. In Josephus' writings, he uses the word spaude to mean this, to be zealously engaged, to exert oneself, to pursue assiduously, to be concerned, to show interest. Try your hardest. In the letter to the Messianic Jewish community, chapter 4 and verse 11, this word is used. And look what it says here in that verse. It says, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one may fall through the same pattern of disobedience. In other words, again, it's showing us that this word is used to mean do everything you have to do to make sure that you're following God. What this is saying here in Kafer's letter is that our faith is not to be passive that it must be grown and begin to influence our lives in a positive, godly way. It's one thing to say we have faith, and it's another thing to show we have faith. 
to live out that faith. And it's not to be confused with works righteousness. Okay? For the believer is already in right standing with God. However, we all know that not every believer is experiencing the same level of fruitfulness in the kingdom of God. Isn't that true? It is the zealous pursuit of this growth in God that Kepha is advocating in our text. We cannot be passive and nonchalant toward the faith that has been delivered to us. We need to be zealously, ardently following after God. In 2 Timothy 2.15, the same word is used again, and it says, do all you can, right? Do all you can to present yourself to God as someone worthy of his approval, as a worker with no need to be ashamed because he deals straightforwardly with the word of God. And here's my question to you. Are you doing everything you can? to follow after God? Are you doing everything you can do? That's all, God does. That's all God requires. Just like we tell our kids when they're young. What do we tell them? Do your best. Isn't that what we tell them? We tell our kids, do your very best. Now, their very best may be not that great. We've all seen our kids play t-ball, right? Yeah. They miss the ball that's teed up for them. They run to the wrong base. And what do we tell them? Try your best. That's all we ask. Not that they're perfect, but that they try. And that's what God is telling us here, to do all we can. We can see from how this word is used in the Brit Hadashah that it's up to us to put in effort to see the word of God, the abundant life realized in our lives. It is not done automatically just because we're in the family of God. And we can see this at work in natural families. Two children have access to the same opportunity. One child takes the opportunity afforded them by their parents and makes the most of it, right? The other child, with the same opportunity, decides to pass and squanders it. Well, both children are loved, Both children are adored by their family. Both children have access to the same resources. But one chooses to take the opportunity and do something with it, and the other chooses not to. That's what's happening here in this text, and God is encouraging us to do everything we can with the opportunity that he's provided for us. Because just like the family, the the parents want to see their children's dreams realized, so God wants to see our dreams realized as well. It's up to us to try our hardest to do everything we can to be in zealous pursuit of all God is offering us. I mean, think about this, friends. If we're real in our heart, every week we sing the Vahafta, right? Right? And in it, we're singing, whether we're saying it in Hebrew or English, we're saying that we will love the Lord our God, not with a portion of ourselves, not with most of ourselves, not with the leftover of our life. We're saying we will love the Lord our God with all our heart, our mind, 
our soul, and our strength. Now, my all is different from your all. And God knows that. And God's good with that. But all of us could give our all. That is what God wants. He wants our all. He wants us to try our hardest. Well, the next thing we learn from this verse is we're told to add to your faith. Add to your faith. I mentioned this last week in my message. Kepha is telling us that we must, I like the term, fortify our faith. Our faith must grow and increase in the qualities that follow. Maybe this is why some people start off well in their journey of faith and through lack of effort and diligence, they don't get the results they desire. This concept of adding to our faith is really not mentioned a lot. How many, when's the last time you heard a message about adding to your faith? We hear a lot of messages about faith, but very rarely do we hear messages about adding to our faith. Kepha is crystal clear that we must do everything we can to add to our faith. When I think of adding to my faith, I think of cereal. Isn't that weird? (laughs) I think of cereal because I grew up in a day, and maybe some of you did too, where the cereal box would say, fortified with 11 essential vitamins and minerals. Remember those? They don't really say them on the boxes anymore. They're on the side panel. Now, they're still added because, like I said last week, we, we all know that the, the cereal you get off the shelf is really has no nutritional value. <laughs> so they add vitamins and minerals to what? Fortify the cereal so we can get some nutrition. That's what's being said here, that our faith, our basic faith, needs to be fortified. The Greek word to add, epichoregio in the Greek, means this. Listen to this. This is what Kepha is saying specifically. It means to provide something in addition to what already exists. So your faith, right? We've all been given a measure of faith, but you have to add to that these other seven things in order to fortify it. So faith exists, but something must be added to it. Toast is okay. But add butter and jelly, and it's delicious. Right? Epi means to put on. The toast is okay, plain and dry, kind of. But when you put the butter and jelly and add to it, boy, that toast is really delicious. When you put a little butter and cinnamon, that toast goes to another level, doesn't it? That's when the kids go from passing on the toast to eating the toast, okay? Adding to. (laughs) What if adding the qualities listed here in Kafer's letter 
would do the same for us? What if adding them would make our faith better and more dynamic and come back to us in abundant fruitfulness? What if the faith that we have, if we would make every effort to add these qualities, would begin to show us the results that we always desired for it to to bring? I believe that is exactly what Kepha through the Ruach, is telling us we need and what will happen if we do it. I believe this is a lost revelation. How many messages, like I said, we, do we hear of faith? But we don't hear many messages from this passage telling us that our faith must be added to. We always hear messages that all we need is faith alone. Well, Kepha is saying faith alone is not enough because these qualities have to be added to our faith. Matter of fact, in the Greek, that word is in a command form. Means it's an imperative. That it has to happen. You have to do this if you want to be successful. So if we have to add to our faith, I would say this. What is faith? If we're going to add to something, we need to know what we're, what, what we're starting with. And you know what? There are so many definitions of faith. Matter of fact, all of us are probably familiar with the scripture that says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, right? We're familiar with that. What does that mean? What does that mean for my life? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's a great verse to quote, but what does it actually mean for me? And what's my takeaway that I can live with? The Greek word pistis is translated faith. If you do a word study from the beginning of the scripture all the way through the end, you will, a theme will emerge which yields a definition of the word pistos as this, relational trust. Say relational trust. Relational trust is something that I can grasp. I can get my head around it. It is also how Kepha framed this whole teaching here in his letter on adding to our faith by saying this, God's power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowing, through our knowing the one who called us to his own glory and goodness, relationship. That's the starting point, a relationship with Yeshua. Not a fake relationship, a real, living, working relationship with the Messiah of Israel that brought us into right standing before God. As a matter of fact, in the Brit Chadashat, another place, Yochanan, the Jewish Talmud, said this, He who has the Son of God has life. But he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Life is in the Son. As you would expect, as Jewish people have prayed for thousands of years for Mashiach to come. So when he comes, we ignore him. So when he comes, we blow him off. So when he comes, we say, take it or leave it. So when he comes, we'll take some of his teaching and not the other. Of course not. So when he came that we would embrace him in his fullness. 
and follow him with all our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. You see, faith is about knowing the one in whom you are placing your trust. Most people don't trust people they don't know. Do you? How many people would you take your newborn baby and hand it off to a stranger? Of course not. You don't trust them as far as you could throw them because they are unknown to you. But your in-laws, of course you would give the baby over to, I hope. (laughs) Of course you'd shuffle off the baby to them because you know them. Have a relationship with them. No worries, no fear. Here, take the baby. Enjoy. But to a stranger, no way. We trust people we know. And God is the same way. We trust God because we know God and have a track record with God. This track record that I've made with God gives me the ability to trust him the next time I'm in a situation where faith is required because I have a trust in him. There's a a song with this chorus talking about God and trusting him. And look what it says. It says, I've seen you move. You move the mountains. And I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way. And I believe you'll do it again. Why? Because you've done it before. That's why I I believe God will do it again, because he's done it before. Faith. And here's an important question as we're here. Where is your faith at today? Where is your relationship with God? That's an important question. Have we placed our trust in the one God has sent? to atone for our sins? Have we say, yes, God, I'll follow you with all my heart, my soul, and my strength? That's a really important question because God is real. And God wants everyone to know him. And not only is God real, God is good. And we can put those together and say, God is real good. And that would be a true statement. And God offers us the opportunity, just like a parent offers both kids an opportunity. One might take it, one might squander it. But God offers each and every one of us today an opportunity to receive by faith the promise of Messiah. So if you're in this room and you've never believed on Yeshua as the Messiah, you can do that today simply by saying, okay, God, I'll take you up on that offer. And if you would like to do that, it's just a prayer that we pray to God. And you could pray after me. Say, Avinu Malkenu, my father, my king, I choose to believe in Yeshua, the Messiah that you sent to atone for my sins. I repent of those sins, ask your forgiveness, and I believe that Messiah's atoning work pays the penalty for my sins and puts me in right standing with you in Yeshua's name. People say, boy, that's so simple. Could something really change by just saying a prayer like that? Not really. 
But something could change really by believing a prayer like that. God changed my life by praying a simple prayer like that because I believed, just like Isaiah the prophet in the 53rd chapter said, who has believed the report? And that chapter is all about Messiah. And I believe the report that God sent about his son and God changed my entire life. And he'll change yours. If you believe. It sounds so simple, so easy. It is, really. Because God did all the work. He did all the heavy lifting. He sent his son. The Mashiach came and paid the penalty for my sin. I just merely accepted and believed in what he already did. So it is kind of easy, but... It's really important. Now I would encourage that you don't leave this room today without making sure that you know the atonement of Messiah personally. So let's go on to our third and final point for the message today. And we're talking about verse 5. And Kepha tells us to add to our faith goodness. Now, we read through those many scriptures and goodness is translated so many different ways. But what is he trying to tell me? What am I exactly, specifically supposed to add to my faith? Okay, he says, for this very reason, try your hardest to furnish your faith with goodness. Well, the Greek word uh, is arete. And this is what it means. It means the quality of moral excellence. The quality of moral excellence, outstanding goodness, virtue, moral goodness, morality, defined as conformity to the rules of right conduct. Add to your faith goodness, okay? Conformity to the rules of right conduct. The word of God outlines right conduct for us so we don't have to guess or think about it. And the scriptures will help us to see that meaning more fully. The same word is used in Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any virtue, there's our word, which incorporates the other qualities. And if there is anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Kepha Aleph 2.9 says, but you are a chosen people, the king's koanim. Here's the word again, a holy nation, holy. So when we think of moral excellence, who do we think of? We think of God, God is holy. And to walk in holiness. Notice he didn't say God is holy and perfect, okay? But we walk in holiness, yeah, we're imperfect, but at least we try to hit the standards that God has laid out for us. Holiness. A people for God to possess. Holiness, moral goodness. Another way to understand moral excellence is to compare it to the antithesis of that. So here's the antithesis of moral excellence. Yeshiyahu, chapter 5 and verse 20 says, Oi to those who call evil good and good evil, 
who present darkness as light and light as darkness, who present bitter as sweet and sweet as bitter. Oi to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Oi to those who are heroes at drinking wine and valiant at mixing drinks, who justify the wicked for a bribe and deprive the innocent of justice. That's the opposite of moral excellence. We live in a world where that is happening, where society tries to call righteousness wrong. Just look at abortion. There's people that want to tell us that abortion is good, it's right. The scripture says otherwise. Ephesians 4.17 says, So I tell you this, indeed I insist on it in the Lord. Walk no longer as the pagans do, stumbling around in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance in them due to the hardness of their heart. Since they are past feeling, it means they're, they're kind of seared. And listen, look at our world today. People are seared. Anything goes. It could be as bizarre as it gets, and people just don't even notice it anymore. There was a time when I was a young man. I worked in Manhattan, the Lower East Side, as a paramedic. And we would sit in the ambulance on St. Mark's Street, if you know where that is. That's where all the crazies showed up. And they had different colored hairs and piercings and bizarre. But can I tell you, I'm a Long Island kid looking at that. And my eyes were as big as saucers seeing all sorts of wacko things. But the people in Manhattan was as normal to them as normal could be. Used to it. It becomes normalcy. That's how the society has become. God says, no, there is right and wrong. There is good and there is evil. There is righteousness and there is unrighteousness. And we must make sure that we do not blur that line. Romans 12.1, I urge you therefore... Brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? With the word of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind through Torah. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what God's will is so that you may know right from wrong, so that you may recognize evil from good. It's telling us, offer yourself to God by spending time with him in worship, in the scriptures, by doing the things his word instructs us to do. Change the way you think by lining up your thinking with the way God thinks. It's very simple. To line up your thinking with the way God thinks by reading the word of God. Kepha Aleph 2 and 12 says, keep your conduct honorable among the Gentiles 
when while they speak against you as evildoers, they may from noticing your good deeds glorify God in the day of visitation. Friends, I want to tell you that God is telling us that this moral excellence needs to be added to our faith. And we need to do everything we can to make sure we add it, to fortify our faith. We can't be living around an unholy life and expect God to do amazing things through us. No, God is looking for us to act and conduct ourselves with moral excellence. One writer said this, Moral excellence has to do with excelling in the moral will of God, which, of course, is to touch, hear this, every area of the messianic Jewish life. But it is important to recognize that by moral excellence, we are not simply talking about a list of do's and don'ts or just overt sins such as adultery, fornication, drunkenness, lying, gossiping, stealing, and cheating. Moral excellence means the pursuit of the moral will of God in every, and I emphasize every, area of life. This includes our values, attitudes, priorities, goals or purposes, devotion, and Messiah-like character in the home, at the office, at the congregation, as well as in one's hobbies and entertainment. Moral virtue is something that should characterize the messianic follower of Yeshua everywhere and in everything. Wow, to me, you know what that sounds like? When I read that, it sounds like the Vahafta. That's what it sounds like to me. That in everything, in every way, when I rise, when I walk along the way, I'm thinking about God and his ways and what he would have me do and what's right and what's wrong for this situation, for this decision I'm about to make. The things I'm thinking about, are they right to think? Do you know, bad things begin in our mind. And we dwell on them and it gives birth to bad actions. So even in our thoughts, that we say, is this what God would have me dwell upon? All good questions, really. But Kepha is telling us that our faith must be fortified with this characteristic. So adding moral excellence encompasses every area of our lives, both private and public, internal and external. It's about pursuing God's will for every area of your life. Now, listen... I would be naive to think there's some people in this room that you could give a flip about God's will for your life. It means nothing to you. You, t- you don't care. You don't care about God's will. You're here and, you know, you'll leave in a, in a, in a few hours and that's okay. But I want to encourage you as someone who was that person at one point of his life not really caring too much about God's will for my life and not really caring about 
God in general, that God truly has a plan for your life that will allow you to optimize your future. You could go it alone. And your future is, you're going to have a future, (laughs) no doubt. But you're going to go it alone. Or you could have a future and God could go with you. And he could optimize that. And I want to encourage you to think, before you just toss the message away and say, man, I made it through that. (laughs) Baruch Hashem, I made it through that. Before you do that, I want you to consider that this Jewish man, Kepha, who walked with Yeshua the Messiah personally, ate with him, taught by him, is telling us that we need to do this so that our lives would not be barren and unfruitful, but blessed. So in conclusion, there's three things that we talked about today that you need to do. One is try your hardest, which means it's all effort on your part. You're either going to try to do everything you can or you're going to blow it off. The second thing, add to your faith. That your basic faith is not enough. That's basically what Kepha is. Not basically, it's what he's saying. Faith isn't enough. No, you must, imperative in the Greek, add to your faith. Moral excellence. And thirdly, moral excellence. We need to get a handle on what that means for our everyday life, our everyday dealings, the way we run our families, the way we do our job, the way we live in society. Are we living our lives in a way that we show God's character and nature through moral excellence? That's an important question. Kepha thinks it was important enough to write down for us and to urge us to do it. So with that said, I want to say it was an awesome day seeing Joey have a bar mitzvah. He did such a great job. The family did wonderful. I call them the, the Halfenbane slash Ventrap family. <laughs> they play, they sing. Unbelievable. Uh, and I know we're going to enjoy a wonderful lunch upstairs and fellowship together. So let's all stand to our feet. I want to say the uh, ironic blessing over you, and then I will say the blessing over the meal, and you can make your way upstairs where I know you're going to have a wonderful meal and enjoy fellowship together. Isar Adonai Panavilecha Yesem Lecha Shalom May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.